Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Whether you're buying a new car or used one, it's a big investment, which is why you should choose Pennzoil Platinum. It helps extend the life of your engine and protect it up to 15 years or 500,000 miles, whichever comes first, guaranteed. That's because Pennzoil's base oil is made from natural gas and 99.5% free from engine clogging impurities. The proof is in the Pennzoil. Enrollment required? Keep your receipts. Other conditions apply? See Pennzoil.com warranty for full details. Find it at Firestone Complete Auto Care. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Over the line, or throws it, he's in. A backhander and a save by Tony Esposito. Stan Mikita was a, a small guy, very cocky in those days. A right hand by Magnuson, and he puts that guy down. Magnuson trying to tear his hair out. NBC Chicago's James Naveau. Odyssey Chicago Hockey Insider, Jay Zawoski. No more! Hawks win! Hawks win again! Chris Chelios in overtime! Part of Blue Wire Podcast. Came off the boards, he shoots, he's gone! Down to the Tains! A game-winning goal! The Hawks live to fight another day! Falling back, circle of drives, get the front The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Chicago's going to be in last place forever. Triple Threat Sports, Fry the Coop, and by the Cincinnati Law Group. Let's drop the puck. Welcome into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Jay Zawoski with you here. I am also live on Twitter Spaces, so hopefully y'all can hear me okay. My phone is a bit away from my computer. I'm going to try to drag it in here a little bit closer so you can hear. I didn't have any plans on doing a podcast tonight. I really didn't. Uh, and then the Hawks fall to 0-5-1. They lose 6-3 to the Red Wings in a game uh, against a team that uh, just got their asses kicked the night before. Uh, 6-1 to to a struggling Montreal team. This is absolutely pathetic. And there is so much to get to from top to bottom. First, thank you for joining. Follow us on Twitter at MadhousePod. Instagram, Madhouse underscore pod. We're on Facebook, of course, uh, all those places. We've got a Patreon page. That's a slash Madhouse pod as well. And check out our T Public shop like so many of you did this past week. We greatly appreciate that. Link is in our bio uh, to help out the podcast with that sort of stuff. So where do we begin, right? We, we've James and I, James was at the game tonight, so he's not going to be on this podcast. But We've talked about everything going wrong. We've talked about the poor starts. We've talked about never having a lead. Uh, by the way, the Blackhawks broke an NHL record for futility, 360 minutes and 57 seconds and counting without holding a lead. That is an NHL record. No team has gone that long without having a lead in a game. And this is a team with Jonathan Taves and most nights Patrick Kane and Alex DeBrinkett and Seth Jones and Connor Murphy and Dominic Kubelik and uh, Jake McCabe, and on and on and on. This team is not that bad. 
And for the first time in years, I've got people around the league texting me during the game. This is a disaster. Something has to change. This, this is horrible. Like that's never happened before. Usually when I get information on things like this, I have to seek it out. I have to say, Hey, what do you make of this? And you have to pry a little bit. That's how sources work. They're not just going to jump to you and give you information. One of them I tweeted from one of my scout friends who was just like, I, I am not a knee jerk guy. I don't have a horse in a race, but this is absolutely ridiculous and things need to change. Got another text. I'm not allowed to share the, the contents of, but guess what? It's not good. You've got Liam McHugh from TNT hockey sharing photos of the Blackhawks players taking the dry erase board from Jeremy Cowlton during a timeout and calling and drawing up a play themselves. You've got John Butchagross who says the Blackhawks need major changes. Now this is pathetic. This is unreal. There is no excuse for this. There is no. And when I say excuse, I'm saying there's nothing that Jeremy Cowton can say tonight or any other night. Well, you know, we were without Kaner. Yeah, you were. And you were 0 4 and one with him. So don't give me that. Don't give me the we were shorthanded thing tonight. This is the Detroit Red Wings. This is not the 80s Edmonton Oilers. This is not a juggernaut team. And you are the team playing with desperation. You're the team looking for your first win. You're the team who is well aware, by the way, before the game of the record of futility that they were about to set. And this is the this is the game. This is the response. This is what happens. It's unbelievable. And look, we've talked for years about Stan Bowman. And, you know, most Hawks fans absolutely hate Stan Bowman. I think he's average at best. But you just gave him a promotion based on what? Then he just gave Jeremy Cowton an extension based on what? So now what happens? Does Stan Bowman just jump in? I'm sorry, does Danny Wirtz just jump in and demand both people be fired? I don't see that happening. And the thing that's really funny about this, and maybe funny is the wrong word. This is the night they stopped their consecutive sellout record. This game, this was the one. How fitting that on an effort this pathetic, you know, you think with a couple days to prepare, a couple days to say, okay, this is a huge game. It's an early game on a Sunday night. People are going to be looking for something different after the Bears game. Maybe people are going to be tuning in for the first time to watch the Hawks. And this is the effort. It's just unbelievable. They've got no answer. They don't adjust as the game goes on. And as the, as the lead against them grows, they get worse. There's a thing in hockey called score effects. And I think by now, uh, most people know about it, but what it basically says is as the game moves on, you're going to get more scoring chances, more opportunities because you're chasing and you're going to be taking more risks. That hasn't been the case with the Hawks this year. As the games have gone on, the Hawks have gotten worse. And the thing I really want to focus on, I, I just, the fact that during a timeout, you've got players taking the dry erase board from the coach 
and drawing up a play. And maybe if this was the middle of December and they're floating around 500 and, hey, coach, I got an idea. Alex DeBrinkett's got an idea. Or Jonathan Taves has an idea. Okay, cool. Here, take the dry erase board. Go for it. Right? That That's one thing. But you're 0-4-1, about to be 0-5-1, desperately needing a goal, and the coach just hands over the dry erase board. Would Joel Quenville do that? Would Joel Quenville hand his dry erase board to his players? Hell no. It's just been pathetic from the drop of the puck to now. And I'm going to keep saying it because I believe it's true. And I think most of you, when this season was beginning, had the same thought that this was a team that should compete for a playoff spot. Maybe they're on the outside looking in, but they're very close. No one, nobody had this as the worst team in hockey. And there are two winless teams in hockey right now, the Chicago Blackhawks and the Arizona Coyotes. There is no way this roster should not have a win, should not have a lead, should look this bad on every given night. It's just unbelievable. And I'm sort of at a loss for words on what to say about it. What do you do here? Aside from making moves at the top. And I can't see them firing Stan Bowman midseason. I just can't. I don't see it happening. Colleton, even though we saw what Emily Kaplan said last week that, you know, I think she sort of threw the 20 game number out sort of arbitrarily. But as of last week, there were no internal discussions about Jeremy Colleton being fired. You have to think after this performance that those conversations are happening. And if they're not, there's something hugely wrong with this organization. Hugely wrong. Because Danny Wirtz, at this point, needs to step in and at least say to Stan Bowman, like, hey, are we at least, like, considering a move here? Like, is this something you've thought of? Are you happy with this? Is this acceptable to you? Because I would love to get the answer to that question. I would love to get the answer to that question because I don't I don't know how, the, as the owner of the Blackhawks, watching this product, considering the money you dished out this offseason to make this team better, how do you look at your GM and he does not have any sort of concern about this and he's got full confidence in his coach? I look at the players don't when you when you the players are taking the dry erase board from you that tells you all you need to know they're saying coach whatever you're going to draw up we've got a better idea that's troubling man that is troubling that is a horrible visual given the situation and again maybe it happens more than we know but when I see people around the league commenting about that saying, wow, that was strange. Never seen that before. <laughs> You've got national hockey voices and John Bucigross and Liam McHugh, and I'm sure others I've missed since I jumped on this uh, broadcast, calling out the Hawks without hesitation, right? And those are people who are the faces of the national broadcast agreements, right? It's not a, a podcaster like me. It's not a, a, you know, a writer or blogger somewhere else. 
It's it's people affiliated with the NHL calling it pathetic. That is embarrassing. And if Danny Wirtz has any pride in this organization, there is a come to Jesus meeting happening tomorrow with every decision maker in this organization. Or now, or it's happening right now. Shower up, let the players go home, and when they're gone, you're in my office and we're having a talk. There is no excuse for this. It's absolutely 100% unacceptable. And you as a Hawks fan, and I, I, I feel good, you know, seeing them getting booed off the ice and seeing the fan reaction on Twitter, fans are paying attention and fans are pissed. You set expectations this year with the moves that you made, Right. You paid Seth Jones a $9.5 million deal that kicks in next year. You gave up two first-round picks and Anna Boquist and more to get him here. You got Marc-Andre Fleury and paid him. You signed Jake McCabe. Don't tell me this is a rebuild like they tried to do last week. Don't tell me that when they were in crisis last week. That, oh, well, you know, we're still rebuilding. B.S. you're rebuilding. Then why is Philip Kurashev scratched? Why is Ian Mitchell in Rockford? Why is uh, uh, Nicholas Bodan not up here? Don't give me that. That's backtracking. This team set expectations this year with the roster they put together. And guess what? The expectations they set were realistic for the roster they had. So what are the two common denominators here? Number one for me is Jeremy Colleton. Number two is Stan Bowman. If I were Danny Wirtz, They'd both be gone tonight. I'm not. <laughs> I am, you know, the, probably a reason I'm not is because I would make a rash decision like that. But I don't think at least firing Jeremy Colleton, that is not a rash decision. It's just not. It's just anyone who's watching this from afar has to realize, wait a minute, this is real bad. This is this is terrible. Like what's happening in Chicago is inexcusable. I think people are getting it again. When you have those national voices talking about how bad everything is and just saying it, they're not even saying like, Oh, tough start for the Hawks. Hopefully they can turn it around. No, no, no. You've got John Vucicross calling you pathetic on Twitter. If that doesn't get Danny Wirtz's attention, I'm not sure what will. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Fry the Coop and FryTheCoop.com. Go uh, burn your sorrows away with some Nashville hot chicken tomorrow. Go to FryTheCoop.com. You've got locations in Oaklawn, Elmhurst, Westtown, Prospect Heights, and Tinley Park. So if you're in the Chicagoland area, you've got a Fry the Coop near you. And uh, listen, you as a Chicago sports fan, you've earned it today, man. You watch the Bears get their asses kicked. You watch the Hawks get their asses kicked. Uh, it's been rough. It's been a rough day, so go reward yourself with some Fry the Coop tomorrow. Uh, get yourself those chicken tenders, which are fantastic. The uh, honey butter chicken sandwich. Uh, the donut chicken sandwich. Yeah, that's right. The donut chicken sandwich. It's a hot chicken sandwich between a donut bun. Absolutely unreal. Uh, I recommend the seasoned fries, which are terrific. Everything at Fry the Coop's awesome. Dine in. Take it out. Tinley Park and Prospect Heights. Sorry, just dropped my phone. Uh, have drive throughs so you can go drive through, get your order, hot and fresh whatever you're into. And if you do dine in, they've got a great craft beer menu. Again, that's fry the coop and fry the I do want to talk a little bit about, 
I guess I got to do some positives. And it's what we always do on the show. We try to keep it positive. We try to end positive. I'll, there's a few things, okay? Just a few. I'm not going to go crazy because it was a, from top to bottom tonight was crap, okay? Jake McCabe had his best game, I thought. 2104, he had an assist. He was a plus one, which is really tough to do during this game. Moved the puck well, pinched it some good times, uh, got some good scoring opportunities. I like Jake McCabe's game. Dominic Kubelik was a factor. Five shots on goal, uh, four more shot attempts, three hits. He laid a guy out, which is something you don't usually see from Kubelik. He scored a goal. Good for him. Um, Jonathan Taves gets his first two points of the season. He got two assists and had a goal that was waved off. So those are my positives. I think beyond that, I could pretty much take or leave everything I saw. Tyler Johnson had a great effort on that goal, but also took uh, a pretty dumbass penalty that didn't need to be taken. Uh, Dylan Strom, for the positives he had in the game, he negated with a really careless stick a number of times. I just don't know. I, You know, my fear was that this team would start 2-8-1. and one. That was my fear, right? And... As we're looking ahead at the schedule here, I don't know where those two wins are coming from. Next up is Toronto. That's a cup contender. They're off to a slow start, but guess what? They're the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're got a ton of firepower. They're two, three, and one. Then it's the undefeated Carolina Hurricanes. They're four and zero. That's on Friday. Saturday, it's the undefeated St. Louis Blues. Then Monday. The one you'd think they should be able to win, November 1st, Ottawa 2-3-1. and one. Well, they've got two more wins in the Hawks. And then it's again against the undefeated Hurricanes again on Wednesday, November 3rd. So hockey's a weird sport, and sometimes those unexpected wins come. But as I'm looking ahead to the Hawks schedule, there's nothing I feel really great about. This was kind of the game I was highlighting in my mind as the one the Hawks could take away and win and sort of set the record straight. And it felt like, you know, you had some time from your last loss to now you're at home, you're sort of settled in sort of learning your teammates, those sort of things. And it just all falls apart and you get absolutely humiliated at home. You go into the first period tied, right? All right. First intermission tied. You're feeling okay. You outshoot them 11 to 11, eight, that period. Second period starts and all hell breaks loose, right? Four goals. I'm sorry. Three goals for Detroit. No, four goals for Detroit in a second. My box score is jumping all over the place on me. You get outscored four to one in the second period. You get outshot 19 to six. How, how does this happen when you are desperate for a win, how do you have a period like that? And that period started horribly. From the first shift, the Hawks were pinned deep. Does it tell you something that you go into intermission, fans are probably feeling okay. Like, all right, they're not losing, they're tied. They got a goal that, you know, gave up a game, a goal 541 into the game, then Tyler Johnson answers and you're tied at intermission. That's where you want to be, okay? It's not ideal. You'd rather be ahead, but you're not behind. And then you come out in the second period, and it's like the ice is tilted. There's just no adjustments. There's no strategy changes as the game goes on. And the Hawks are so easy to predict. You can see as games go on, 
the opponent, figure out what the Hawks are going to do and just shut it down. They're not, they're, they're, they're not hard to adjust to. They're not hard to play against. They're predictable. They pass too much. They pass up glorious scoring opportunities all the time. And as I talked about on the last podcast, yeah, part of that is frustration. And part of that is pressing. And part of that is wanting to make the perfect play because you need the goal so badly. But at some point, just get somebody in front of the net and throw the puck. The Red Wings put on a clinic about that. There were no beautiful goals scored by the Red Wings. They were all just scrums in front. Shots from behind the net that hit an, you know, hitting a skate and going in. That's how goals are scored in this league for the most part. And if the Hawks are going to start winning, they've got to abandon the Harlem Globetrotter stuff. Because guess what? I don't think in their history, the Globetrotters have been 0-5-1, and, and I don't think they've gone <laughs> six games without a lead. I don't think the Generals ever, uh, ever did that to them. You're just not that team anymore. You're not that guy, right? Like the uh, TikTok video, hey, you're not that guy. You're not that team, Hawks. You're going to have to win ugly. And yeah, it's an adjustment for some of these guys. Taves and Kane and 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 DeBrinket, who are more skilled guys. But look, and look, I got no beef with DeBrinket. I thought he had a great game. Really solid. I should have mentioned him. Uh, whiffed on a few things, but that's going to happen. But more often than not, where he needed to be uh, generating offense. I, I just, they're just going to have to learn how to win ugly here. And then maybe when they get a couple of those, if they can stack two, three wins or take, you know, three out of four or three out of five, something like that, and start to feel a little bit better about things. Then you can maybe start noodling around with the puck a little more. But it's desperation time. And if they don't come out against the Maple Leafs with like a playoff level intensity, then there's huge concerns. Not that there aren't already, but if nothing happens between now and then and they come out flat again, there's, there's really not like at some point it's going to get to the part where the players are just sort of like, what, what, what's going on? How, how are they not firing this guy? Right? Like the, the players are going to start wondering, he's got no answers for us. He can't help us. We want help. We don't want to lose every night. This guy's not teaching us anything. He's not adjusting. We're not improving. What has Jeremy Cowden gotten better at since he took the job from Joel Quenville? That's the wrong way to put it, but you know what I mean? Since he took over Joel Quenville's job. Nothing. The only times he's had success is when he was mandated to stop playing his system. Remember that? In 2019, the Hawks get off to a pathetic start. Similar to this where the San Jose Sharks were skating circles around them and the Sharks had been winless. It was very similar to this. And then there was a meeting up top where in no uncertain terms, Jeremy Count was told, change, fix something or else. And he did, and they became a much better team, a more competitive team, and then as they typically do, fell, fell apart down the stretch. But that should not be an excuse this time because they're a more talented and a deeper team than they were then. This team is absolutely not this bad of a roster. I don't care if you didn't think this was a playoff team or whatever, but 
this is not a worst team in hockey type of roster. And when that happens, there's two people look at. It's the GM and it's the coach. All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. If you're on Spaces, Twitter Spaces, stick around. I'll probably stay on there for a few minutes and take some questions, but I'm going to wrap up the actual official podcast. Thanks for listening. Make sure you rate, subscribe, review, all those great things. Tell a friend, by the way, if you got a Hawks fan friend that you're talking to that's really aggravated about the way things are going, let them know about the podcast, and uh, hopefully they enjoy it. Sign up, subscribe, all those great things. So we do appreciate you tuning in. James and I will be back later this week. Hopefully we get a win and don't have to have such a negative, miserable podcast uh, as we have to start the season here. Absolutely brutal, uh, but we're not going anywhere. Hope you won't either. Thanks for tuning in to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Fry the Coop, Triple Threat Sports, and by the Sins in Law Group. I'm Amira Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.